Can sunflower help honeybees to find varroa mites? Well, we're gonna talk about it. Welcome to Inside the Hive.tv podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Umberto Boncristiani. In this podcast, we talk about the teachings of the most successful society in natural history, the honeybees. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, an advanced beekeeper, or just curious about honeybees, here you'll find great conversations to educate and entertain yourself about this wonderful insect. From honeybee biology to how to make money with honeybees, you won't miss anything here. In today's episode, I talk to Dr. Evan Palmer Young, a research scientist at the USDA Honeybee Research Lab in Beltsville, Maryland, about his recent publication showing the potential role of sunflower helping honeybees against varroa mites. And I hope you enjoy. Hello, Evan. How are you? It's good to see you again, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Umberto. Evan, I, everybody that I talk to is quite interested in this project that uh, you wrote a post, a blog post in my website, and I got a lot of questions from people. What's that about, Umberto? What's going on with this sunflower thing? Okay, well, somebody's reading it. That's cool. Yep, yeah, people are reading. People are reading and people are curious, and I am curious as well. So I would, I would like to start this conversation uh, just to to the people at home to know a little bit more about you, your background, how you start with bees, and then we jump in into the project. Uh, sure. So right now I am a postdoc, meaning a post-PhD, don't have a real job yet sort of position um, at while trying to show my shirt there, never mind. At the USDA Bee Research Lab there. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, here in in Maryland. And I've been here for um, a little over two years now. Um, I started in um, my science career back in <clears throat> on 2009 or so at the Max Planck Institute for Chemical Ecology. It's in central Germany, Jena, Germany. And there I was studying uh, plant volatiles and their effects on plant fitness. And I started my PhD two years after that at University of Massachusetts Amherst with Walt Adler. And there I was initially studying uh, strawberry volatiles but um after two years i switched over to studying the effects of plant chemicals on bumblebees and their gut parasites so i guess i've been studying bee parasites since then i mostly uh, study how different chemical and temperature factors influence the the growth of protozoa in the gut of bumblebees and honeybees so i can define you as a chemical ecologist or how you define yourself yeah um i kind of have a background in in chemical ecology but yeah now i'm sort of a um insect parasitologist i guess and so I, I do study mostly the the gut parasites of bees um more so than chemistry per se yeah i am following you and your work for a while and you know that there is other 
blog post that you wrote in my website that I really appreciate that. People also are asking about those related with the temperature. So we're going to talk about that in the future. But today, in the future, okay. I want to focus on this sunflower versus varroa mite. All of us know that varroa mite is the number one enemy of honeybees today. A big problem in the beekeeping industry and we're looking desperately for a solution or some kind of help against this terrible parasite and you come up with something that i really like i like that kind of approach that you know we use nature to let the bees help themselves along evolution i am a true believer that bees have passed so through so many different difficulties and have learned what to get in nature to help themselves and with the global change and this monoculture systems we have today, it, that makes a little harder for them to have options. Uh, but you were able to find inter interesting correlations with sunflowers. The bees might be using sunflowers to help themselves. Can you can you tell me how that started? Yes. Well, so first of all, I don't really have. I can't give evidence right now that bees are um, kind of gonna choose to sunflowers to help themselves what we have now is a, a correlation at the landscape scale where more sunflower acreage around apiaries is correlated with lower mite counts in the months after right after sunflower bloom and then in a manipulative study that that is a, um an experiment in colonies where their colonies are fed uh, with supplemental sunflower pollen as a cake or as a small patty usually that those colonies then their buildup of mites in the fall seems to be slowed down do you have so I don't I don't have evidence that bees when they have more mites are collecting more sunflowers. Oh yeah, no. I I didn't I didn't imply that uh, they're choosing <laughs> with sunflower. No, I didn't imply that. I was just making the case that bees you know? might learn this uh you know, they have a medicine out there and they now have all the options and and you found interesting correlations that might indicate yeah. sunflowers might be a little problematic for for varroa mite to grow. Possibly. But, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the experiment. Like you, ha I remember you have three figures uh, in the in that paper. Uh, first of all, is the paper published? Because the the, the data I have is the preprint. Yeah. So it is on the way. It has a digital object identifier, a DOI, Great. and a journal said it's going to be published on their website and. Um, Economic Journal of Economic Entomology, the week of December twenty second. So that's coming right up. Uh, so it is it is accepted, um, but I guess it is still not up on the journal website. Okay, but it's it, it already passed the the scientific method, the review, so and and got approval. That's great. So I was I was thinking about that when I was reading it so because i have my own question for you regarding the, the designs and experiments and so so you 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 fed the colonies you have three groups one uh the controls that have two patties that doesn't have sunflower pollen on it and one patty that have a lot of pollen 
from sunflower that is that is that correct um and sort of the the royal we so i should say i did not do any of these experiments myself i okay. came in kind of as the closer on this project which involves uh lynn adler at umass my former mentor and jay evans my current mentor here in maryland and the 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 folks who had their eyes on writing this up had uh scattered to bigger and better things by that time. Right, so yeah um okay but but yeah as far as the experimental part of the study there were two experiments one in massachusetts in the early season and then one in maryland in the late season and in the massachusetts one we didn't have all that many mites um in the early season but in the the maryland one we we had a that study was a a bit more organized because it was all everything was in the same apiary so we didn't have things scattered across quite as many sites and then also the colonies were treated with um some fumigants before the trial started so we able to start with kind of a low baseline across all the colonies in terms of their mite numbers and then do what's called a common garden where all the colonies are in the same place but some of them are getting different diets yeah, interesting. So good. So you have a colonies in the same, basically very closely to the same environment with three different treatments. And I, I could see clearly in the graph that there was the, the the group that received the sunflower, the mites didn't replicate as much as the other groups. Yeah, well, that's what it looked like. We don't know for sure if it's whether the mites are replicating or it's a matter of how the mites are drifting or it's something about the proportions of mites in on workers versus in brood cells. Um, so we did have the numbers of mites that were came off the worker bees. Now, number yeah, so eight, you know, per, per capita on the worker bees. That would be one of one of my questions, it, 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 and maybe uh, maybe you don't know that um, at, in the baseline at the beginning of the experiment, I was wondering if you check inside the cells to see if the proportion between the two groups were the same, uh, because probably you measured this with sugar uh, with uh, alcohol shapes. Yeah, with the uh, alcohol washes. Yes. Tell me who is who is involved. What groups are involved in this project? Um. Sure. So we have Lynn Adler, um, University of Massachusetts, who wrote, uh, I would say she did most of the writing on this grant, along with her longtime collaborator, Becky Irwin, uh, who's at North Carolina State. And then we have also um, Kathy Bayless and University of Illinois and Eugene Joe, who was her postdoc at the time, now working for Facebook, so good person to be a friend of. And then Jay, uh, so the University of Illinois group did the landscape trial, um, or sorry, analyzed the landscape data 
And then Lynn and her student, Brianna Joyce, um, conducted the UMass um, supplementation experiment. Um, Jay did the honeybee cage experiments that come in at the end. And let's see, the bee-informed partnership that's uh, at the University of Maryland or um, anyway, uh, affiliated with the university, they uh, then contracted them to do the late summer uh, field experiment. That That's yeah, the second supplementation experiment. Got it. Okay, so it's a big group. It's a big group. Uh, yeah, a m- bunch of different entities there. And so the second, the second experiment was the cage experiment. Can you can you describe the cage experiment a little bit? Uh, I know you didn't do it yourself, and and I I read here, and I I thought it was quite interesting that. Because we know some flowers are not a very good nutrition source for honeybees, right? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, so it looks like the uh, several different bee species do not do that well on um, solely sunflower diets, including including bumblebees um, and honeybees. But the, nevertheless, it's a pretty important nectar source, especially in monocultural or agriculturally intensified areas where um, the late summer um, sunflower nectar is a big contributor to overwinter stores, as well as the pollen. Um, So bees do not develop all that well on straight sunflower diets, um, that is honey and bumblebees, but there are quite a few specialist bees that um, actually are specialists on sunflower. And sunflowers in a plant family called Asteraceae, which also includes a dandelions, black-eyed Susan, um, some plants you may be familiar with if you're in North America especially. And these Asteraceae plants seem to have a lot of compounds that make it difficult for insects to develop, which may be beneficial in the context of defense against herbivores, for example, where you'd expect that a plant that has compounds that disrupt development of herbivores may then uh, not be host to them, not have them chewing on the leaves for all that long, or on the flowers for that matter. Um, But yeah, so for certain bee species, including the honeybees, the only sunflower diet seems to be um, suboptimal. Um, but we're wondering, and one of the questions we're looking to tackle next is whether some of these compounds that disrupt development of other arthropods might be having an effect on the burrow mites. So that's, that's, that's where probably you guys are going, right? Yeah. So tell me what's going to happen next, because now you have a very interesting correlation with the with the field experiment. You have 
also a correlation also nationwide in the APHIS database, right? With the five years from 1980s to 2020, apparently there is a decrease on the amount of acres plant with sunflower, which is yeah, yeah. So that those that's from the the um, I I think the the Avis is the the B data. Oh, those are over the last were were over I think five years. Um, but then there's also the national agricultural that that was specifically related to the white and nosema levels in honeybees um but then the landscape data i pulled from the agricultural statistics database um, national agricultural statistics survey and that showed the the trend in acres of sunflowers planted year by year in the u.s and it's also broken down state by state and it looks like most of the sunflower in this country is grown in the Dakotas. But that number um, of sunflower crop acres planted has been going down pretty fast. Well, but, and um, fairly steadily since, since. Yeah, it, that caught my eye. And it, it that, that was the, what, no, well, not part of the original design. And I had sure to, not. Yeah, there is no it, way. That, but I thought, I thought it was worth, uh, looking into because I wanted to know, you know, which are the states that we should actually be analyzing for this um, APHIS honeybee disease survey. Like where where are the sunflowers? Because we ended up with very few sites, even though we've had a lot of survey years, very few sites that <laughs> had even 1% sunflower cover. So I wasn't even sure this analysis was worth doing at the beginning because I thought, well, if you have a lab experiment and honeybees eating only sunflower pollen, then you might see a good effect. But if there's 1% sunflower pollen, 1% sunflower cover around there within two miles of the apiary, I mean, there's no guarantee they even are feeding on any sunflowers at all. Yep. Um, but yeah, it seems like the sunflower acreage in the U.S. is going down. And it has been since kind of downsizing of this crop reserve um, conservation reserve program and also um, market changes that it seems like there's it's more profitable to grow um, corn and soybeans rather than grow crops like sunflower for the for the corn that is there's a new market for that with uh ethanol production for fuel and for the soybeans there's actually quite a big market for u.s soybeans coming from growth in the meat production in asia <laughs> which i didn't i would not really have expected that why so why is there less sunflower now over the last 20 years and a lot, a lot of the <laughs> the market factors are not only national here with the yep. ethanol production, but international with the soybean kids for growing, um, growing demand for for livestock that are fed soybeans. It is it is quite impressive when you start to look at those business relationships with 
agro, agro business that we talk and how many connections and how things can change so fast in, in a couple of years. But I want to pick up your brain to, to I, I can't stop thinking about the coincidence because things start to go down in 1980s, exactly when Varroa might start to uh, arrive. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, we certainly not uh, are not in possession of data to say that the decline in sunflower is causing the uh, increase in varroa mites. I think what this study shows is that it's a potential a resource that could potentially be beneficial in the context of varroa mites, but um, first of all, you know, sunflowers are native to the Americas, and uh, honeybees are not. So this is not not a co-evolved relationship. We don't have any evidence of real self-medication at this point. Um, and it, yeah, we would we would want to avoid implying um, oh, that, yeah. that reductions in sunflower area have have. Uh, but it's caused this this spreading. You're the night that is a very interesting coincidence. <laughs> it, it 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 is. Um, it's also kind of fortuitous that sunflowers bloom in the late, uh, yep. late in the growing season, and this is when the mite populations are building to those colony threatening levels that threaten the colonies over the winter. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it could be. Um, if we keep showing it around, it could be a good a good resource. Yeah. The, the other the other thing is that there are a lot of wild relatives of sunflower that would be on some of these conservation lands uh, in the Midwest in the Dakotas, and <clears throat> that that is not included in whatever decline in acreage uh, is shown in the graph there in that eighty percent decline in sunflower area, but those sunflowers and their relatives in uh, on on conservation land or agriculture potentially agricultural land that's that's not planted uh, or is instead planted with kind of wildflower mixes, um, that's not included in the decline. And that program has been downsizing um Certainly, over the last twenty years, I. Th um, but there is less less acreage in that conservation reserve program than there used to be, so there are probably f fewer wild sunflowers and their relatives in that part of the country as well. It is quite it's quite interesting this whole story. Uh, I cannot stop thinking about the the, the differences, but between U.S. beekeeping style and the kind of the rest of the world, actually. Because in my experience here in the United States, a varroa mite would cause more damage compared with other places. Um, I don't know why. Uh, more damage in the U.S., you're saying? Yes, more damage in the U.S. Um, I don't know, and I can't. I, I, and I always thinking about this is more other places are not so uh, industrialized way of beekeeping. Mm. Uh, it's more family based. It's less hives per per apiaries, and they have 
mostly more diverse around them. And a sunflower is a common theme among a lot of places that I go and different uh, continents. I, I can't yeah. keep thinking, and I, I know there is a lot here. I'm not implying anything, but it's it. I cannot stop thinking about the potential of this. <laughs> yeah, I guess veromite is in a lot of places, and sunflower is. Yeah, um, in a lot of places. Places too, whether natively or grown as a as a crop, either yep. for the edible seeds or for the the oils that are pressed from them. My own father in Brazil, we we I plant some some flower in our farm just yes. what's on it just to have some and to have... Oh, it's beautiful yeah yeah i have a we used to get, uh, live in manhattan now my family and i have pictures of pictures of myself as a six-year-old standing next to this sunflower that's taller than i am that's we just had growing on the uh on the porch <laughs> yeah that's cool it's not any it's a beautiful plant it's so it's magnificent it's yeah oh so what's next now? What are you What are you doing with that? There is any follow up? Anything that is coming? Some surprising? Thing? Yeah, so we are grateful. Um, Zach Lamas and I got uh and and Jay Evans here got a grant from Project Apis M to now study a little bit of the mechanism so that could explain what what's going on here and also address the question of whether. Uh, groups of bees that are fed sunflower pollen for short periods, that whether there's a cost in terms of their amount of reproduction. And so you could imagine that if if um, mite counts are going down, maybe it's because the, uh, or not going up as fast, it's because the honeybee pupae are not surviving, so then the mites get kind of trapped with dead-end pupae, mm. and then they're not reproducing. So it's possible that this uh, compounds or these uh, sunflower diets are more more deleterious to the bees than okay. to the mites, which would, I guess... Defeat the, 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 the purpose. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, and then also to see whether any of these uh, compounds in uh, that may be in sunflower might um, might be taken up by mites, either of that are in direct contact with the uh, larval food in the in the colony, or that might be uh, sequestered. You know. Um, I don't know if any of your viewers are familiar with monarchs and milkweed, and the monarch caterpillars are um, generally defended against predators be because they sequester these toxic compounds, compounds that would be poisonous to predators. Oh. So in this, in this sense, the honeybees that are um, fed on sunflower pollen might also uh, be stockpiling uh, sunflower co compounds or their derivatives in their tissues and then be defended from mites, which are their parasites. I, I do love that kind of subject. It's so interesting to me, the kind of evolutionary history, what, you know, what might have happened in the past to end up in with this situation where a caterpillar need to eat a specific food 
to defend themselves against their predator and maybe honeybees as well in certain level. It's quite interesting. The, um, yeah, the, the animals that can uh, feed on these cardanolized and milkweed plants there, it's it's really a, a, ni- a nice niche for them because there are not many other insects that can feed on that. So they needed to overcome those defenses and then they have that food kind of all to themselves. So it's a little bit similar to the case with aster plants and some of the specialist bees where, oh, there's all this pollen, but nobody's taking advantage of it because it's maybe poisonous. <laughs> yep. um, and then if you have some animal that's able to overcome those defenses, then it can enjoy uh, with less competition that resource. So not yeah. in the case of the, the monarchs, they've o- overcome that defense and now actually it becomes their defense because they're, yep. they're sequestering these compounds in their The tissue. predator will learn pretty fast when they eat the wrong one. Yep. Yeah, quite interesting. So Project APSM again. Did you try to get money for that in other places? Um, that was the first try, actually. Okay, because I'm always always praising Project APSM here. Project APSM is a sponsor of my channel. They're not sponsored this video in any way, shape, or form right now. But I'm always every time I talk with people, Project APSM is coming back again and again. So I'm very proud of them. Kind of helping and putting the little seed of money where whatever it needs so you guys can continue your uh, research discovering potential new solutions for the beekeeping industry yeah, uh, well we should also thank um our the funders of this project yes let's with, talk with, about with that. The, the usda national institutes of food and agriculture and i've also been uh, privileged to support my stay i get funding from the David Crane Trust, okay, and the North American Pollinator Protection Campaign. Okay, so we have a big list. We have Eva Crane, we have the USDA, USDA, yeah, uh, and we have the Project EPSM. So, yeah, we're grateful yeah, for the support we have to do to do research here. That's. Uh, Phenomenal. So we always need to remember to be appreciative about all those and chips and, and people that put their money in the line. Yeah, yeah. For for research, which is not always a, sh- a short-term gain. No, it's not. Yeah. So NIFA, Project Davis, um, online production campaign, and Ava Crane. Thank you to all of you. And of course, my views aired in this interview are not necessarily representative of those of the planning bodies either. Yes, sure. Uh, so, okay, so we we have a next chapter maybe about this. How long do you think you're going to have more results about this so we can... Oh, we are looking to, to try this, um, some of these sunflower experiments in the spring. The intrepid Zach Lamas is trekking down to Florida to 
fetch some fresh sunflower pollen for these experiments and then we'll be able to measure the uh, reproductive output and the possible chemical sequestration um, in bees and mites that are associated with small colonies fed sunflower pollen. That's great. I know Zach very well. I think I'm going to follow him in Florida. I'm going to I'm going to reach out to him to see if I can. Yeah, maybe you can get a on-site interview there with Zach, that, energetic guy. That would be great. He's got a lot of good ideas. Yes. Yes, yes. All right, Evan. Well, I think this is a wrap. I want to thank you for your time uh and also for all your efforts and your research. It's very important. It's very important not only for me, but for the whole the beekeeping industry, the bees, and you know the the work that you guys do. Sometimes I feel it's not very well appreciated by the public, and it is my duty to make sure that I'm gonna pass the right message and show to the world who are the real heroes saving the bees. Well, thank you, Humberto. You have a unique uh, niche there as the entrepreneur who is a uh background as a scientist and a beekeeper and now you're out to educate the world so inside the hive.tv podcast is brought to you by our fans on patreon on patreon you can access all episodes before anybody else and exclusive content like behind the scenes videos live streams and more if you want to learn more about honeybees and help me to make more content about honeybees to everybody, please visit patreon.com slash insidethehive tv and join our community.